following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. Many years ago, uh, Marcia and I decided we were going to build our own home back in De Quincey. And so we got the blueprints, got everything ready, got the groundwork done. And there was a lot more going on underneath the slab before the concrete was poured than I ever realized. Uh, there were a lot of different things, trenches that were cut for chain walls and support where the load-bearing walls were going to be. But all throughout uh, the, the ground underneath the slab uh, was pipe, different sizes, different shapes for different functions. Uh, we had plastic pipe. We had metal pipe. We had copper tubing for water lines. Each one of them ran to a specific place in the house, and it was for carrying certain uh, elements from one place to the other. When we think about the word conduit, uh, typically we think of a metal piece of pipe that carries uh, electric line through it so you don't cut the electric line unintentionally. But the word conduit, if you look it up in the dictionary, uh, it is a, a natural or artificial channel through which um, something is conveyed, transported from one place to the other. Not necessarily an electrical conduit, uh, but anything. It could be a ditch. It could be a funnel. It could be something that tra- just transports one element from one place to the other. So you don't lose uh, that element, whatever it is, whether it's air, oil, water, mud, sewage. Uh, we had some sewer lines that were much, much, much bigger than this uh, when we built our house. Uh, some of the lines were this large. Uh, they had sweeping lines, and it was for uh, directing it to the place where it should go and be treated before it is then disposed of. Uh, the water lines, of course, you don't want to get mixed up with that. Uh, the electric lines, you don't want getting mixed up with the water lines. So, therefore, you have to have some type of conduit uh, for that to be transported through, for it to travel through. Uh, many of you are familiar with PVC pipe. Uh, it runs on the inside of walls, outside of walls. Uh, some of it is for hot water. Some of it is for cold water. Uh, some places have potable water mixed up with drinking water. Uh, those lines are separated so the two of them don't get cross-contaminated. But nevertheless, the case is... It is there for a reason, and each one, uh, some of the walls may be thicker than the others. Some of them may be thinner, depending on the amount of pressure that they're expecting to receive inside of that line. They're all carrying different materials. Uh, nothing is cross-connected to where they would get cross-contaminated. Um, we get into our beatitude today. And it kind of expresses the thought that we are to be a conduit of sorts in which God can transfer something through us into the lives of others. We've been looking at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. We get into uh, three Beatitudes that deal deeply with someone who is actively engaged in living their life for the Lord. The first four Beatitudes dealt with someone whose life is totally dependent upon the Lord. Uh, The next three have a little bit more practical application to them. And I find it very, very interesting that when we get into these next three about someone who is actively engaged, someone who is living for the Lord, someone who is expressing their lives 
with attributes that only God can provide them with. I find it very, very interesting that the first of these three begin with the act of mercy. Do you consider yourself a merciful person? Do you find it easy or difficult to express mercy on another individual, whether they're a Christian or not, whether they're in need or not, whether they need to be forgiven or not? What is mercy anyway? These three Beatitudes, uh, they address the issues of mercy, purity, and peacefulness. Sounds like the fruits of the Spirit, don't it? We're going through the fruits of the Spirit, the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5 in our Sunday night series. And I think these two are closely connected with each other. But these three Beatitudes, mercy, purity, and peacefulness, it seems like they are all interconnected. It seems like you cannot have one without the other. And it seems like they are all built upon the act of mercy. And as we look at mercy, we are vessels. We are conduit in which God wants to transfer his mercy through our lives into the lives of others. We're going to look at that a little bit closer as we get into this next beatitude. And so can I just say this for a moment? When we get into mercy, when we get into someone who has a compassionate heart, here's the question that you need to keep in mind. When you see someone who is living at maybe a level that is below yours, that is a real person with a real need that God has placed within your realm of influence. The question on the floor this morning is, what will you do in that situation? What will you do when you encountered with someone who has a need, no matter what the need may be, no matter whether they can repay you for what you do to help them with that need? You are looking in the eyes of a creation of God, someone who is made in the image of God, and you are looking at a real person with a real need. Will you allow the mercy of God to flow through your life and into the life of that individual? Let's all stand for the reading of God's word. We're in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to do just a quick review. It's been a while since we have read through these. We're only going to go through verse 9. Jesus begins his greatest sermon ever preached. The Sermon on the Mount. This is his introduction to it. And he sets the tone for what he's going to be teaching through Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That completes the first four, those who are totally dependent on the Lord. And he moves into those who are living their lives solely for the purpose of the glory of God. Number one, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called 
sons of God. Let's stop right there for today. Father God, we love you so much and thank you for this time together. God, what an honor and what a privilege it is to be able to study your word, to allow you to speak to us through your word. And I just pray, Lord God, that this morning that the pages, uh, that the words on these pages would leap off of the pages and into our hearts, that we would experience you in a way that we never have before, Lord God, that we would understand something new and fresh about the gift of mercy. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would help us to live out our faith in ways that others will understand and see, and it would draw them to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we just ask it all in your most precious and holy name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So there are, in essence, three attributes of God that we have the ability to display to others. Those three attributes are justice, mercy, and grace. We're dealing with the attribute of mercy today. But I think before we get into the outline and before we get into the teaching part, before we get into really unpacking what this beatitude has to teach us, I think it's good to make a determination between those three. What is justice? What is grace? And what is mercy? What is the difference? Here's what justice is. Justice is is getting exactly what you deserve and what you have earned. In other words, you're getting what you got coming to you. We don't want justice. God is a God of love, but he is also a God of justice. He's a God of mercy and he's a God of grace. And he makes it perfectly clear that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is justice? Justice is getting exactly what you got coming to you. Because of our sin nature, we deserve to spend eternity in hell separated from God. But God displays his mercy and his grace to help us with that issue. Mercy, mercy is not getting what you do deserve and possibly getting better than what you deserve. I like a little bit of mercy from time to time. I like mercy from other people. I like it when I make a mistake. Someone can say, you know what, it's okay. I forgive you. We're all human. And that's exactly what God does. He says, I know you have a sin nature, and I know that you need my mercy. And that mercy was expressed on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. But what you really want, what you really want is you want grace in your life. What is grace? Grace is the free gift that you don't deserve and can never earn. Grace is unmerited favor. But we're looking at the attribute of mercy in specific today. Is there mercy in your life? Can you express mercy to another person? Is there mercy in your relationships? Is there mercy at your workplace? Is there mercy in your household? Is there mercy in your marriage? Mercy, you see, is actually listed as one of the spiritual gifts in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. That doesn't mean that some have it and some do not. That just means that some administer it a little bit more easily than other people do. The other day, Marcy and I were sitting there and we were talking, and I got to thinking a little bit. I said, well, let me just do a check on where we stand right now. We've been married for a while, 
we've been through some rough times. We've been through some good times. We've had some experiences in our life. And I just came out right out and asked her. I said, Marcy, I said, you know, after all of these years, everything that we've been through, do you still really love me? Well, she said, of course I do. No doubt about that. She said, of course I still love you. So I said, okay, let me take it a step further. I, I thought a little bit, and I waited for a moment. I asked her, I said, okay, let me ask you this. Down the road, when I'm a little bit older, when I'm gray-headed, when I'm hard of hearing, when I can't hardly see, will you still love me then? She said, of course I do. <laughs> that was a little bit of mercy on her heart. Uh, she displayed her mercy at that time. Sometimes we need mercy. Sometimes we need justice. Sometimes we need grace in our lives. Let's look closely at this fifth beatitude, and let's just see if you have an attitude of mercy or if your attitude needs to be adjusted. Our sermon series right now is on attitude adjustments. I think there are some things in our lives that we need to tweak, we need to alter, we need to learn a little bit more about how to express them. I think for us to walk closer with the Lord, there's always something in our attitude. Do we have a Christ-like attitude when it comes to dealing with people? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Here's the first point that I want you to recognize about mercy. Mercy is understood best once it has been experienced. And when you look at this beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, I think to be merciful, you must possess mercy. You must first have experienced mercy at some point in your life. It's hard to uh, provide someone with something that you don't already possess on your own. Have you experienced the mercy of the Lord? Who are the merciful when Jesus expounds on these beatitudes? Who are the merciful that he is talking about in this particular beatitude. I think the merciful that he is referring to in this beatitude is those who have the love of God already dwelling within them. They are connected to the source. You see, for this pipe to transfer water from one place to the other, it just can't be dangling out in the middle of nowhere and produce its own water and then send it to another source. It first has to be connected to another source that will push that water through that line and deliver it to the place that is ready to receive it. Whenever you turn on your water faucet in your kitchen, do you ever stop and think, now, where did that come from? <laughs> Probably came from the Chafalaya River. Probably smells like catfish a little bit. But that it didn't come straight from the river. They get it other other places. Sometimes they bring it from aquifers from the ground. They'll pump it up into a water tower. The reason you have pressure in your water line is because of all of that weight suspended way up in the air. It distributes it evenly. Same amount of pressure to all the home. And when you open up that faucet, what you are doing is you are releasing a power that that water line is already connected to. So for you to transfer mercy into another person's life, you have to be connected to a source somewhere along the way. I think when Jesus is talking about the merciful here, he is talking about someone who has already experienced God's mercy in their life in some way, shape, or form. Have you experienced 
God's mercy in your life. That there are, in essence, two indications of God's mercy. Number one, God withholds his judgment. His judgment. I haven't received the justice that I was supposed to get. God withholds his judgment. And let me just say this. Each and every one of you are still here on this earth today. So you have not yet experienced God's judgment or his justice, or you wouldn't be here today. So in some essence, you have already experienced the mercy of grace because he has withheld his judgment from your life at this moment. He has withheld his justice, and he hasn't taken you out of this world yet. Second Peter 3.9 says this. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering toward us. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You're here today only because God, through his mercy, has withheld his judgment and his justice from your life, giving you the opportunity to repent of whatever it is in your life that you need to repent of. The second indication of someone who has received mercy in their life is that God has provided a way for us to be saved. You're here in this service today. So God is providing a way for you. If you don't know him already, if you've never experienced salvation, God is providing a way right now in this moment for you to accept the offering of his only son, Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, to understand that his blood was shed so that you would not have to experience the justice, the judgment, and the wrath of God. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his mercy he saved us. What was mercy? What was the definition? Not getting what you deserve and possibly getting something better than you deserve. When is the last time that you have experienced mercy from someone else? When is the last time that someone has just overflowed God's love and his mercy into their life over something that you've done? Maybe you were in a situation that you couldn't get out of on your own. Maybe there was a bill that you couldn't pay. Maybe there was a need that you had in your life. Maybe there was a mistake that you made and someone said, you know what, don't worry about it. Can you express that kind of mercy into someone else's life? Do you feel empathetic with people who are struggling to make it through this life on their own? And can you express God's mercy and help them out in some way, shape, or form? There was a man who went to a photographer one time. He wanted to get some pictures made for business cards, for advertisement. So they went through their photo session, took all the pictures they thought they needed. The, the photographer got them developed and started looking through them all. The man came and he looked through them all. He said, these are awful. These are terrible. He said, where do you get? Look, these pictures don't do me justice. <laughs> and the man said, brother, he said, with a face like yours, you don't need justice. You need mercy. <laughs> but can you look at someone who is maybe in need, someone who is down on their luck, Someone who is hard-pressed to make it through this world. Someone who is really, really struggling. And does God pull at your heartstrings to say, you need to do something to help that person? Because at some point in time in your life, you were just like them. You had a need that you could not meet. 
And therefore, I sent God's only son. I sent my Savior, my dear beloved son, into your life. And it was at that point in time that you experienced my mercy and my love and my forgiveness. Blessed are the merciful. I think Jesus is talking about those who have already experienced God's mercy in some way, shape, or form. Have you experienced the mercy of God in your life? This song that we sang just a moment ago comes from Psalm 23, 6, our beloved Psalm, the shepherd's Psalm. Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, the way that David could express his understanding of mercy being in his life, the only way that David could write and sing about God's mercy is because he had personally experienced God's forgiveness and his mercy in his life. Not only did God allow him to slay the giant, God was merciful in that situation. God was merciful over a whole nation through that one act. But David made a mistake as well. He had an adulterous affair. He lied, he cheated, he killed. He did some things that he wasn't supposed to do. And Psalm 51 is a psalm all about David repenting of that sin, God covering it up and forgiving him of it. And therefore, David could write, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that the kind of mercy that you experience? Because until you experience it firsthand, it's going to be difficult for you to express it to another person. Point number two, once mercy has been truly experienced, it is naturally expressed. So there are two things necessary to have mercy and express it as well. First of all, you must first have the ability to see a need. Sometimes we tend to walk away. Sometimes we tend to look away. Sometimes we tend to think if I ignore it long enough, it's going to get taken care of by someone else. Sometimes we turn the other cheek and we say, you know what, I just don't have time for that. I can't afford to get involved. I know it's going to take a long-term commitment. But when you've experienced mercy in your life, God gives you eyes to see things. He gives you spiritual eyes to see things the way that he sees them. The Bible describes God as, as a father who is merciful, who is loving, who is caring, who wants to provide the very best for his children. And so when you experience God's mercy in your own life, you can express it much easier because God will give you eyes to see things that you've never seen before. When you turn on the television, you see scenes or clips from third world countries and you say, man, I, I just, I need to find a way to help these people. You drive around through our town, you see people under bridges, you see people standing on the street corners. How do you see them? How do you view them? For you to be able to express mercy, you first have to have the ability to see a need. And next, you need to have the ability to meet that need. It's almost impossible to share a blessing of mercy until you have fully experienced it on a personal level. But once we receive mercy in our lives, it then becomes natural to share that blessing 
with others. All of these blessings that we've looked at in the Beatitudes, just about every one of them has had a little bit different aspect or a little bit different definition or just a little bit different meaning to it. Has God blessed you? Has God given you things that you don't deserve? Has God given you opportunities in your life that you don't deserve? Those blessings are not for you to keep and hoard up and not share with anyone else. The whole point of this sermon is understanding that you are a conduit in which God's blessings and his mercy flows out to a lost world around you. To a world that is in need of the love of a Savior, you become that conduit, you become that vessel, you become that channel in which taps into the supply, that source of power. And you say, I just can't contain it anymore. I have to let it out and I have to share it with other people. Let me get my little helpers down here again this morning. Get all the kids to come down here for just a moment. I've got a little demonstration I want to show with them. Who's going to come help me this morning? You want to hold or you want to throw? You want to hold? Okay. You hold the bucket. You can back up over here. I had to find something that wouldn't hurt. Now, look, this is your blessing. Hold on to it for just a moment. This is your blessing. We're going to see how good of a shot you are. This is your blessing. You're not going to keep your blessing. I'm giving it to you because I want you to give it to someone else, okay? I'm going to show you what you need to do. Back up just a little bit. I don't want you too close. You see that bucket he's holding? I want to get my blessing to him for just a moment, okay? I want him to have a blessing as well. I miss. Who can make, right? come over here and see if you can make yours. Oh, see, when the blessing doesn't get to where it needs to be, it hurts, don't it? <laughs> All right, who's going to make it? Who's going to make a shot? No, you need to try it. See if you can make it. I think you have the gift of mercy. All right. All right, give it a shot. See if you can make it. All right. Give it a shot. See if you can make it. Last one. Uh-oh. Now, you could have helped her out a little bit. You know, you could have moved it up just a little bit. All right, go get us a couple more of those. What would have helped us in that situation? Oh, you still have yours, huh? Is there something that would have helped us in that situation to get our blessing, our ping pong ball, from us to him? Is there some other way that we can make it into that bucket a little bit better? Let's see if we can change things up a little bit. Do you think this would help? You don't think this would help us get our blessing into that bucket over there? Wait, wait, wait. Let me show you. What are you going to do? How do you know that? Look at there. That's a lot easier, isn't it? Oh, it bounced out, huh? Who else has got one? You got one? Sometimes we become a channel of blessings, don't we? Sometimes God wants to use us just to get our blessings from one place to another. God wants us to pour out our blessings into other people's lives, but he wants to use us 
not to keep those blessings, but to transfer them from our lives to another person's lives. Now, I'm going to show you one other thing. Sometimes we're a little bit reluctant to give our blessings to other people. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this demonstration. Sometimes our blessings tend to get hung up, and we need a little extra help. So we've been studying a word about the Holy Spirit. We talked about Jesus when he taught about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 15. He called him a helper, which is the word parakletos. Can you say parakletos? Yeah, that's pretty good. So in the book of Acts, that word takes on a different meaning. The word spirit or Holy Spirit is the word pneumatos, which means wind, breath, or air. You see, the apostles in the first century church had received the blessing, but they needed a little encouragement. They needed a little initiative to get that blessing out somewhere else. So the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind in order for the blessings to get out to the people in Jerusalem that day. So in other words, they were sitting there until the Holy Spirit came along. God had blessed them. (laughs) And they just needed a little bit of a motivation to get their blessings. (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble with this, ain't I? Sometimes we just need a little bit of encouragement because God has blessed us. Sometimes we're a little bit reluctant to help other people out, but the Holy Spirit comes along and said, oh, no, you don't. I'm going to give you a little bit of help to get those blessings out to everyone around you. Almost made it to the balcony. (laughs) All right, get yourself a tree. Thank you for your help today. Now, those blessings that I'm giving to you, are you going to keep them to yourself or are you going to bless somebody else with them? (laughs) You can keep those for yourself. Thank you so much for your help. Thank you for your help. All right. Good deal. All right, y'all can go back to your now. expressing mercy can be very, very difficult sometimes. That's why Romans 12 says that some people have been given the gifts. It's just so natural for some people to feel compassionate, empathetic towards others. They can express mercy at a drop of a dime. But sometimes it's a little bit reluctant. Sometimes we have trust issues. Sometimes we don't like to get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we need that little encouragement, that little uh, initiative. Sometimes the Holy Spirit really has to keep into gear for us to express mercy into other people's lives. Not only does mercy have to be experienced for it to be expressed, but here's another thing, point number three. Sometimes when mercy is expressed, it will often leave us feeling exposed. Sometimes we feel like if I express mercy to someone else, it's going to leave me vulnerable. It's going to leave me open. They're going to think wrong about me. Other people are going to think um, that I'm pious. I'm trying to be holier than thou. So sometimes we're a little bit reluctant to express mercy in another person's life. What, What is our greatest fear when we express mercy to another person? 
I think sometimes we fear rejection. That they won't accept it. They won't um, accept my gift of mercy. I'll look weak before them or they'll reject it in some way, shape, or form and they just will not accept my gift of mercy. Sometimes we're afraid of neglect. That they're going to do it again and we'll just go through this whole process of me expressing mercy and them asking for help. Sometimes when mercy is expressed, we feel like it's going to be underappreciated. They did not value my attempt to help. When mercy is expressed, it will often leave us feeling exposed. Let me ask you this. On the day that Jesus died, when he expressed the, the utmost level of mercy and forgiveness. How do you think he felt? The highest level of mercy and forgiveness known to mankind. On the day that Jesus died, how do you think he felt? After he was falsely accused, after he was beaten, after he was struck in the face, after his beard was plucked, after he had a crown of thorns put upon his head and nails driven through his hand, in his feet, and there hanging on the cross to see if he was dead or not, they stuck a spear in his side. And there, exposed before the crowd that day, suspended between heaven and earth, here's what he said. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Even when he was exposed like no one else has ever been, even when he willingly laid down his life as an expression of love and mercy and grace, even when the crowd rejected him, some turned their back on him, he still went through with it. And in the end, after all of that, he said, Father, forgive them. But they don't know what they're doing because he knew everyone in the crowd that day had a sin nature that they had not dealt with. That day on Calvary, the mercy of God the Father flowed through Jesus Christ and became available to everyone on earth. As the blood flowed down from his beaten, bruised, and battered body, the mercy of the Father then became available to all of mankind. But Jesus first had to expose himself. He became vulnerable. Isaiah said he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And there he willingly laid his life down and he looked upon the crowd that day and he said, Father, forgive them. That's the ultimate act of mercy right there. Is knowing that it's going to be rejected knowing that it's going to be unappreciated and still saying, I forgive you for what you've done. Let me give you something to help you in a situation that you can't help yourself in. You see, when you show mercy through providing a need or forgiving someone, it's going to make you feel vulnerable until you see what God can do with it. Then as you experience the love and the mercy of the Father flowing through your life 
and into the life of another person, a real person with a real need, then and only then will you have obtained true mercy in your own life. Robert Schuler, this book that I've been going through, I highly recommend it. In this book, The Be Happy Attitudes, here's what he had to say. He said, selfishness turns life into a burden, but unselfishness turns burdens into life. Are you able to express mercy to someone else? Or do you keep it all to yourself? Jesus tells the parable of an unforgiving servant. His master came to him and said, you owe me a huge debt. I want you to pay me right now. So he went around to all the other servants that he could find. The master had forgiven him of his debt. He said, look, let's just wipe the slate clean. But then that servant turned around and went to some others that owed him money. He didn't forgive them. He didn't express mercy. Even though he had experienced from his master, he went around and he tried to get all the money that he could from everyone that owed him. And those that couldn't pay him, he threw them in jail and locked them away. The one person who had experienced mercy and forgiveness and had his debt paid in full was then unable to express mercy and forgiveness to those around him. Are you going to be like that? Or are you going to be that channel, that conduit in which God can allow his mercy and his grace flow into the lives of those around you? Because here's the thing, point number four. God wants to use us to reveal his mercy to everyone. Not just select people. Not just people that fit the profile that we have in mind. Not just people within our congregation. Everyone. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all in need of a Savior. We're all in need of God's love and mercy and grace. And once we receive it, God calls us then to express that mercy and that grace to everyone around us. Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. No one left out, no one excluded, no one pushed to the side, but all inclusive, whether you like them or not, God wants to use you to express his mercy to everyone around you. The big question is this, which comes first? The way it's written, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. But to be merciful, I believe that you first must have to have experience mercy at some point in time in your life. Which one comes first? Are you required to give a little mercy to get a little mercy? Do you have to forgive others before God will forgive you? Do you have to display mercy prior to experiencing mercy or is mercy much easier to display 
after it's been experienced. Turn over just a few pages if you're still in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 6. One thing in particular that Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them was to teach them how to pray. And in Matthew chapter 6, included in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives a model of prayer. And when he finishes teaches them how to pray, when he lays out this model of how to pray, in verses 14 and 15, he puts somewhat of a stipulation on it, a conditional clause, if you want to call it that. He says this, and this is included in mercy and forgiveness and grace. And I think this is a good indication as to whether or not you have truly experienced it in your own life. Jesus says this, for if you forgive men their trespasses, in other words, if you are able to express mercy on another person, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, there's that conjunction, that sanctified conjunction. Here's your conditional clause. The first one's pretty easy to swallow. This next one, this is a bitter pill to swallow here. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Have you experienced mercy in your life? Have you truly experienced the forgiveness of a loving Father that has made every provision possible for you to spend eternity with Him? Even though you were born with a sin nature, even though from the moment you were born, it was appointed for you to die a spiritual and a physical death. The book of Hebrews says it is appointed unto men once to die and then after this, the judgment, the justice comes in. But that's where Jesus steps in. And he says, I want to express mercy and grace like you've never experienced before. I know what's coming to you, but that's not what I created you for. So to make a provision, I'm willing to say, here's my life. Take it and use it. And let me be the one who pays the penalty for the sins of mankind so that they can experience your mercy through the sacrifice that I make. And then when you receive that mercy and that grace from a loving Heavenly Father and a sacrifice made by His one and only Son, then He says, I want to use you as a channel through which my blessings flow to other people. I want to use you as that conduit. Once you are tapped into the source, once you have that uh, initiator moving in your life, once you have that that momentum flowing through your life, once I am compelling you to go out and let my mercy flow through your life, then you will know what you were created for. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Have you experienced the mercy of God the Father? Have you been to the cross of Calvary 
And do you understand the price that was paid for your sins? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It also says that there are none righteous, no, not one. It says that there are none that seek after God. We've all gone our own way. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've wandered everyone to his own way. But God laid upon Jesus the price of our sins. And through his blood, we find redemption. We find reconciliation. We find justification. We find forgiveness and mercy. Have you bowed down your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you cried out to him for mercy and forgiveness? If you've never done that in your life, I want to offer you that opportunity today. These altars will be open in just a moment. We'll have a hymn and invitation, a time for you to respond. But if you're here today and you don't know for sure where you'll spend eternity at, I beg you, don't leave this building until you know for sure that you've experienced God's mercy in your life, that your sins have been paid for, and that you've asked God to forgive you, and you've committed your life to him. You say, well, Brother Tracy, I just don't know how to do that. That's what I'm here for. I want to help you with that. You just cry out to God. You say, God, I know that I've sinned. I know I've fallen short of your glory. I know that my life is not where it needs to be. And I know that if today I died, I'd go straight to hell. And that's not where I want to spend eternity. And you just ask God to forgive you of your sins, and he will. The Bible says this, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning just thanking you so much for all you've done. And I thank you so much, Lord God, that you make your mercy available to each and every one of us. And I pray, Lord God, if there's anyone here who has not experienced your gift of mercy and grace, that today would be the day that they would step out in faith. They would ask you to forgive them, and their lives would be changed. And, Lord, if there's anyone here who is struggling with expressing mercy in their own lives to others, I pray, Lord God, that you would transform their heart Help them to reconcile, first of all, with you. Maybe to reconcile with someone who has done them wrong. And I pray that you would give them the ability to look upon someone with eyes of mercy and compassion the same way that you did on our lives. And we just ask it all in your most precious and holy name we pray. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.